Holly G with the Golf Insiders. He showed us a little bit of uh, how his game was coming together when he won the Irish Open earlier this year. And it was the 25-year-old Australian, Lucas Herbert, who uh, had two birdies during an incredibly tough, wind-blown stretch in Bermuda on Sunday. The uh, weather was really the, uh, the hidden beast there um, over the weekend. And um, he notched his first PGA Tour victory in third worldwide. And it's great to uh, bring back, after a couple of weeks, one of our favorites, Bob Herrod from ESPN.com. Hey, Bob. Hey, how are you doing? So this was a big victory and a tough, I mean, wind and rain and all kinds of stuff that was going on in Bermuda. Not exactly the tourism uh, board's uh, best uh, display of come come visit Bermuda. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, some of those days didn't look all that fun out there, but it's still pretty pretty nice looking place and uh it's it's neat that they go there and, and obviously with no with no um, WGC event in China, the uh, the the op what's supposed to be the opposite event you know took center stage. Yeah, and, which is great. Uh, yeah, it's good for them, and I think you know maybe it's something they should just consider. You know, make it make it a standalone event if you can, and um, you know it's. Um, and I know they didn't have the greatest field, but still, you know, professional golfers play on the PGA Tour, and it's not that easy to win. And you saw, you know, that uh, it took a lot of good golf to get it done. Yeah, it sure did. That's, you know, one of those days where, um, you know, shooting pars is going uh, to be good and maybe the key to winning, winning the trophy in the end. The pretty tough uh, competitor on his Heels. Patrick Reed was in the mix. Bob coming down the stretch. It was good to see Patrick playing well, uh, and we haven't we haven't seen him uh, in a few weeks. Yeah, I think it was his highest finish since um, since maybe the Memorial. You know, way back in June. Wow, kind of kind of hard to believe. You know, that, yeah, because you know he won his Tory Pines, and you know he he played well enough all year to be considered for the Ryder Cup team. Um, you know, he was right in there and obviously didn't get picked and there was some controversy and all that, but, you know, to see that he, you know, he really, I don't think he had had a top 10 in months, you know, there was a lot of golf that he played, you know, he played in the Olympics and he, he played in Memphis, uh, you know, then he had the issues during the playoffs. Um, you know, he had a pretty good tour championship, all things considered with, uh, that haven't been hospitalized, you know, but no, uh, no high finishes in months. So yeah, he's, you know, he's a grinder and he decided to go there and uh, do his best to try to, to try to get back on track. Well, it was, uh, as you said, a beautiful golf course, Port Royal Golf Course in Southampton, Bermuda. And uh, this week they head to Mexico this was the one that Victor Hovland won last year, and it has a pretty good field. Sort of a, a popular spot. They've been going there for, for years now to Mayakoba. The only thing I would, would figure out is, I mean, you know, you go from Bermuda to, to, to Mexico, you know, it's not exactly close. 
Um, and then I think they go to Houston, and then they go back to um, Georgia. Georgia. I mean, the the schedule in terms of like proximity is is off the charts out there. You know, there's yeah. no rhyme or reason. There's no rhyme or reason to the fall schedule in terms of geography. No. So uh, uh, they they'd be they'd be wise to try to hone that in a little bit. I mean, I know they all fly, but still, it's still uh, you know. It's a bit of a, tr- a bit of a haul from some of these places to get from one to the other. So, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, it'll be a, a it'll, it'll be a beautiful venue again, and I'm sure we're going to see plenty of good golf. There's, you know, Kepka's there, uh, JT's there. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ricky Fowler's there. They got, you know, they've got a lot of big names, and and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we we have a pretty compelling event. You mentioned Brooks Kepka, um, Brooks. Not having uh, the best of years uh, in 2021, um, you know, to, to some extent battling health um, and injuries, um, you know, of course, towards the end uh, when he had to uh, withdraw from the tour championship because of his wrist injury. But he, he says he's healthy, but also says he's been playing so bad for so long, he's just trying to play his way out of it, Bob. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting how, you know, sometimes you just lose your swing. Yeah, you know, he, um, it's amazing to think that he was, with, with all that went on, he won in Phoenix, he had that knee injury that he suffered around the time of Bay Hill, he missed the players, he came back for the Masters, probably shouldn't have played. He didn't play again until the PGA Championship, and he was in the last group with Phil. He was in contention at the U.S. Open. He had three top six finishes in the majors. Yeah, you know, and, uh, yeah, he was up there at the, at the Open as well. And, and yet, you know, he only had the one win, and, and he had some sort of middling results in other tournaments. And, you know, he played decently at the Ryder Cup, but certainly wasn't like a force. Uh, on a team that, that everybody else seemingly did great. And, uh, you know, now he's trying to, uh, you know, he played in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. He's trying to get in another event, trying to give himself a little bit of a head start on 2022, you know, so that he doesn't come back with, uh, you know, having to start at zero. And it makes sense, you know. But, I mean, I just think it's, I think it's hard to get any kind of continuity when you haven't, when you've been battling injuries and you've had to take time off and, You've had a rehab, and you know, um, you know. I'm not, you know. I know he said everything's been fine, but I'm not sure it always was. You know, I, I think there were some times that he had to probably get away from golf a little bit and couldn't work on his game. And you know, he had the the wrist injury too. You know, he he uh, after the after the tour championship, you know, didn't even go with those guys to practice at Whistling Straits because he. Uh, you know, he was getting the wrist looked at, needed treatment and stuff. There was a lot of question as to whether or not he'd even be good to go. So um, he's uh, – uh, I'm sure he would love to get through a year without having any physical ailments. Yeah, it, you know, it's interesting, and it, it gives you an idea how these guys think through some of these, um, you know, times when they're they're searching, right? Uh, he, you know, he, he said um, – uh, even if he misses the cut this week, but finds something in his swing, then he, you know that'd be he'd consider that a win. 
He said, I've left tournaments with a miscut and found something that one shot on the 17th hole. That's all you're looking for. That one feeling and you almost seem like you're on your way and just going on the right track. Well, somebody who had to have a lot of patience and do a lot of that reflection was Jordan Spieth for several years, Bob. Yeah, exactly. He's a great example. You know, he's back in the top 10 now, first time in three years. And, uh, you know, Brooks, I'm sure, is obviously he's not that far away from that. And, and uh, you know, it's, it is interesting to hear them talk about falling out of form and how frustrating that is. And, and yet uh, it probably doesn't take all that much for him to get back on track and, and be right there. Yeah, and he also mentioned how, and you and I have talked about this a lot, the importance of these events in the wraparound season in the fall. He said a lot more bigger names are coming out that didn't previously have the big names, and he said, I think that has a lot to do with the FedEx Cup. Guys don't want to fall behind. Look, there's nine events in the fall that count, nine weeks of events that count. That's almost one-fourth of the season. If you skip them, you know, uh, and somebody else goes out there, a bunch of other people go out there and get five or six events worth of points, you put yourself behind. And, you know, I'm not uh, – you've heard me say this many, many times. I, I, I just don't think they should be doing that right now. Or maybe now would be okay. But they, there needs to be a time where they all don't – where nobody plays. You know, the, 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 the argument has always been, oh, well, hey, look, if they want to take off in the fall, they can. They're not forced to play. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, but when, you're, when, you're, when you have nine tournaments. No chance. You know, and it makes it, it's basically almost a fourth of your season. I mean, there's like a 44 events, I think. You know, so it's like, okay, so now, you're, now guys are getting behind. You know, and, and, and you're, you're forcing them to play basically year-round. And um, I think this is one of the reasons some of these other, you know, upstart rival leagues, whatever, have, you know, gained some traction because they wouldn't do that. There'd be a lot of money guaranteed. And, you know, you you wouldn't, uh, you know, it, it sounds great to have all those tournaments. And, and you know, the tour is about, about uh, playing opportunities for its members, so I get that. But in, in terms of the commercial product, you know, we've talked about this too. It's a tough time of year to get ratings. It's a tough time of year for a title sponsor to get bang for his buck. You know, people are watching the NFL. People have been watching the World Series, the college football. And some of these it's tournaments at this time of the year have been around a long time. They've been, you know, faithful part of the PGA Tour. Yeah, and yet they're paying a lot of money to, to stage them. Their title sponsors aren't, you know, they're still having to pay whatever the rate is, the going rate. And, you know, it's just inevitable. It's no knock on golf that more people are watching football. It's just how it is. You know, the players are watching football. Right. You know, I mean, you know, and, and, and you know, the thing is, is with football and baseball, there is an off season. You have a chance to miss it. You know, I've used that term probably a million times. They never give us a chance to miss golf. And so, 
you know, we get into this situation where, um, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's hard to find context for the whole overall season with an event like this. You know, I mean, for any one individual player, it can mean the world if he's not in the Masters and he wins. A guy like Ricky Fowler moves up to the world ranking. You know, Kepka gets a win to help him, you know. But in terms of the, the big picture of, you know, making it to the FedEx Cup, nobody's remembering this event when it's next July or August. Right. You know, whereas, you know, I realize baseball's a long season, but in the NFL, you know, it's 17 weeks now, and, and you, know, you know what's at stake. You know, and, it, and every every week has its own, you know, meaning, in college football especially. You know, you, you, you can't lose too many times or, or, or you're, done. you're done. So golf doesn't really have that, and um, I think that's part of, you know, the overall thing that, uh, that everybody's kind of looking at right now. Well, you hinted at it a few minutes ago, and I know you've been following this closely, um, the potential Super League concept, this Saudi-backed rival tour that's been percolating now for over, what, a year, Bob, but over the last couple of weeks is, you know, really making some noise. Um, you know, tell my listeners a little bit about, I mean, you know, the idea here, right, is to grab some of the best players and and pay them. But, you know, sort of a different format. How is this going to be a rival league? Or tour, well, I should say. If they pick off some of the top guys on the PGA Tour, all of a sudden now you've got sort of an NFL-USFL situation, you know, like we used to have in, back in the day, you've got if, – if, if some of the best players are not playing on the PGA Tour because they're playing in this, then, you know, you've got an interesting situation. Um, and, you know, Greg Norman's involved with, the, with this, this Super League or whatever. They haven't said what they're going to call it. Um, and that gave a credibility to me. You know, a lot of people, you know, Greg Norman's been around. He's won 20 times on tour, 88, I think, worldwide victories. He's in the Hall of Fame. He tried this almost 30 years ago, and it didn't quite work. And he's got you a know? little bit of an axe to grind with the tour because of yeah. it. Yeah, but, I, I mean, you know, my, my response to that always was, what did you expect the tour to do? Oh yeah, sure. Come on, take our players. You can you can play eight or ten events a year and let our players be in your tournaments, and we'll we'll be without them. I mean, of course they were going to fight them, you know. I mean, and and they will now too. I'm, I, you know, I, I think that's inevitable. Norman seems to suggest that, uh, and and all the people involved that they can get along, but there's a huge roadblock to that. That is, the tour requires you to play 15 events a year. And they require you to seek releases to play elsewhere. And they usually give you three releases without a question. And then after that, you know, it comes down to negotiating. If you want a fourth or a fifth or a sixth, then you're going to need to do something for the tour. Probably add tournaments. Well, how are you going to add tournaments to your tour schedule if you're going to go off and play 12, 14, 18 events for another tour? You know, so... 
that part of it becomes dicey. And, you know, I think the lawyers, if, if this thing keeps going, you know, if it, go, if it gets down that road to where they're actually doing this, I think you could see some legal issues involved. They'll, they'll challenge the idea that the players don't have a right to play wherever they want, whatever they want. Uh, you know, the tour maintains they're a member organization. They have rules to follow. You know, and, it's, and, and, and since, the, since the players broke from PGA of America in 1968, you know, what, what I think a lot of people don't realize is Jack and Arnold were behind that. Mm-hmm. They pushed to have the players on their own. They didn't think they were being represented properly. And, you know, sure, there's been hiccups along the way, but the PGA Tour has been pretty good. You know, it's a, a lot of good stuff has, uh, has, has gone on. There's tradition. You know, there's history. You know, we, we judge players against each other based on what they've done on the PGA Tour. Um, it's quite lucrative. Uh, I mean, you, if, if you asked me to make an argument for either side, I could do it. I could argue on behalf of leave it as it is. But what these other leagues are proposing are some things that golf could probably use. You know, why does it have to be 72 holes every week? Why does it have to be, you know, why, why can't we get the best players or a lot of the best players together more often? You know, and that's sort of what they're, you know, they're looking at doing. Why not a, an alternative style where they only play? You know, why, why does it have to be 72 holes? What's wrong with 54? So they're looking you know? at 54 holes and no cuts, right? Correct. And that way guys get guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's the big thing in golf. No, nothing's guaranteed. I mean, yeah, there's a handful of events that don't have a cut. You know, the match play and a couple of the WGCs and, you know, like the Zozo and the CJ Cup and obviously the Tour Championship, the BMW. There's a few that don't have cuts. But for the most part, you show up, and if you don't perform, you don't get paid. And, you know, there's no other sport that's like that. Um, even Even in tennis, there's... There's some appearance fees. And even if you play one match, you get paid. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in tennis, if you lose in the first round, you're still getting something. Whereas in, uh, in, in golf, that's not the case. You, you show up, you play, you practice, you play a pro-am, you play two rounds in the tournament, and if you miss the cut, you get zero. And I think it happens to be one of the charms of golf. But also, I think in this day and age, you sit there and you go, is that right? You know, you have to take the endorsements out of it. Because obviously, Tiger's made plenty of money. All right? So nobody's arguing that. It's just from a purely sort of um, a matter of principle. Okay? If you're Tiger and you bring all that value to the tour in terms of TV ratings, he helped drive up purses, he helped sponsorships, you know. He brought, he brought uh, uh, obviously, bigger crowds, more hospitality, more, more, more uh, concessions. But then, like, he could have a week where he gets zero. You know, that, that just doesn't sit right. I mean, like, he, I think every player out there would agree that he deserves or deserved some minimum amount every year before he ever stuck a tee in the ground, given what he brought. But that's not how it's set up. And I think 
this is what you're seeing with these rival leagues or whatever they're looking at doing, and then as it relates to the tour, you know, they're they're way more about spreading it out among everyone and taking care of the rank and file and taking care of their whole membership. I don't think they want to look like they're favoring anyone. But I think even the, the lowest guy out there would recognize that the reason they're even playing for what they're playing for is because of those top guys. Absolutely. You know, and so it's a it's a it's a balance. Like, well, where do you draw the line? How do you do it? Do you make it based on you know, a guy who finished in the top 25 the year before gets a certain amount starting out the next year, no matter what. I mean, it, 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 I don't think it would be that hard for a bunch of smart people to sit in a room and figure it out. And, you know, what's the tour doing with all of its money? You know, it's, it's, it, uh, it, it, they, they somehow came up with $40 million for that player impact program, which hadn't been there. All of a sudden now the, uh, the FedEx Cup money is going up to $18 million for the winter next season. All the purses are going up. Yeah, the players is going to $20 million. Right. Now, you say that, right, which is incredible, $3.7 million for the winter. But both the Premier Golf League and the Saudi League have talked about $20 million purses every week. And that's only for limited fields. Wow. So that means that the guy at the bottom is still going to be getting somewhere between a hundred and one hundred fifty thousand, depending on how they break it down. You know, so if you played ten times on that tour and finished last every every week, you'd still make a million dollars. Are they going to cap you know? how many players, Bob? The Premier League has said forty-eight. Um, the, the Norman League hasn't said, but we think it's kind of in the same ballpark. 48 players, 12 teams of four. See, that's the other aspect. There's a, there's a team component which would have a separate purse. So, like, that would be fun for the fans, too. Like, to know that, you know, I'm not saying he's going to do it, but if you had Phil, he'd be the owner, possibly, of a team. Like, he, he, he would be given a team... No, no, he wouldn't have to buy into it. He'd be given equity in a team, and then he could he could perhaps pick his other his his team. And those four guys, obviously, they'd be playing for an individual title every week, but also they'd be playing for a team thing. They they've talked about two of the scores counting each day, or you know, three of the scores on one day, depending on whose league it is. And you know, it's just another element to it. We don't have that at all now. What's wrong with that? I think it's kind of a cool idea. There's there's some disruptiveness about all this that that makes you think and makes you wonder if they could do some things better. Yeah, and I think uh, Justin Thomas said it earlier today. Uh, the main thing that's come out of this is we can better our product and we can better it because of stuff like this. We can learn from it. Um, so I think there's a you know there's a lot of conversation going on uh, between the players and the tour that uh, probably wouldn't have otherwise. I mean, if I'm the tour and I don't want to have any of these things impact us, why not just steal some of their ideas? You know, like set up a set up a a super tour within the tour of ten events that have twenty million dollar purses. 
that have no uh, no cuts, you know, smaller fields, and, and you'll make, maybe make some of them 54 holes, whatever. Have a team component for a couple of tournaments. Like, why not borrow from them, you know, and, and instead of the same old, same old? I mean, what do we have? We have, like, three tournaments a year that are different. We have a match play event. We have the team event in New Orleans, and we have the Stableford event. That's it, right? Everything and we always talk about how much fun it is to watch these different events. Yeah, especially, you know, uh, I, I understand why match play isn't going to be a thing all the time because that's tough, you know. That, that's probably a once-a-year thing. But what would be wrong with sprinkling in a couple of 54-hole events, you know, just, just to give these guys a little bit of a break, you know, instead in terms of in, in terms of days spent, and and what you know won't be wrong with having a team component like, you know, divvying up some teams, you know, coming up with coming up with ten teams of four that would play in six or eight tournaments, and not only would they have an individual event, but they'd have a separate purse for the team. You know, it just would give us something else to talk about, something else to get invested in, uh, and. Uh, you know, so in any case, uh, I, I do think that, that all of this sort of is, is making people reassess a little bit, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Well, it's certainly um, going to unfold and, and continues to be the evolving aspect of global golf. Um, no, no doubt about it, Bob. It's uh, really kind of fascinating and going to be interesting how – how it all shakes out or all comes together. Um, we're we're uh, yet to know. Um, before I let you go, who are you picking for uh, Mayakoba this weekend? Oh, man, you put me on the spot. We haven't been uh, doing too well in the fall season here, no, you and I. No, no, <laughs> not at all, not at all. You know, I, it's just so hard to know who's in and out of form. You know, um, you know who we didn't talk about? Answer. Yeah. In his home yeah. turf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I kind of like him. He's uh, had a pretty good, pretty good year. Um, it, 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 I, yeah, I think it really depends on who's motivated, who's been practicing. I think some guys just show up there for the vacation. You know, um, they're they're not too stressed. Uh, uh, I, I, I still think Ricky Fowler has a lot to play for right now. You know, um, he's he's like still like what 85th or 87th in the world. Um, yeah, it's, it's he a head scratcher, isn't it? He's got a lot of ground to make up if he wants to get in the Masters, and it, and and it would be nice to get it done before the end of the year, which means he's got to be in the top 50. Obviously, winning a tournament would get him in too. But short of that, you've got to be in the top 50 by December 31st. There's only, what, three more tournaments. Um, and so, you know, you'd need a high finish or two. Uh, otherwise, you've got to be in the top 50 by two weeks before the Masters. There's just no guarantee, you know. So, um, you know, I think every time he tees it up right now, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big deal. Well, we've got Abraham Answer and Carlos Ortiz, both who won their first PGA Tour wins last season. So, uh, you know, both both um, 
their home country being Mexico. So, uh, we, you know, again, we're starting to see all these different programs, the Latin American PGA Tour. You know, you're talking about the, the money going into the Asian Tour and uh, how you're starting to see so many of these players now um, rise to the top. Absolutely, no doubt. Well, it's going to be a fun one, and we've still got three weeks to go, Bob, so always appreciate your time. Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Thanks so much, my friend. Thank you.